Say What? Say What Radio Show. With no agenda, it's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. Okay, Nancy, if you're talking, I can't hear you. Okay, that's me. I had the mute on, didn't realize I had it muted twice. Can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, you hesitated too long. I almost had a heart attack here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So Walt was here, but apparently he had a problem, so he's left. And Dolly's not here. I thought she was listening to uh, Jan, but maybe I should message her. Yeah. Oh, she's... She's in the chat. She says, uh oh. (laughs) So she is, she's aware now that she's supposed to be here. Um, I'm not sure. Let me me respond to her. (laughs) Hey, Bob, are you there? Bob's here. Are you live? Are we live? Yes, we're live, I think. Oh, God, I hope we're live. Yeah, we should be live. Oh, let me do this. Let me see if we're live. Oh, God. Uh, it seems like every every uh, Saturday I'm having these problems. What Hello, Orion. <laughs> okay. Oh, goodness. So, so they're hearing us, huh? Yeah, he says we're live. Oh, thank God for our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know if we're live or not without the listeners telling us. <laughs> okay, so um, I said Mercury the retrograde. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I just think everything's in such a weird energy field that who knows. Um, so we don't really know if Dolly's coming on or not. <laughs> or what happened to Walt. Uh, looks like Walt's Walt is right here. Okay, you had a little glitch in your system. There must have, no, there must have been some kind of uh, upgrade without letting me know because the settings no, in my no, Skype no, reverted back to original settings. No, oh, stop. Hello? Here. Dolly, yes. Hello? Yes, Dolly, we're here. Oh, I had to load Skype. Oh, good Lord. Well, you did it. Congratulations. <laughs> Uh-oh. Are you there, Dolly? <laughs> Maybe my congratulations was too soon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I've got, I went to close down the computer last night, and it's like, Windows is going to do an update. And I said, no, there it I'm, is. I'm not, I, no, I didn't close it down. I didn't close it down. I said, you can stay on tonight. Just take a nap. I said, I'm not going to take the chance that it updates and everything goes bonkers again. Exactly. I might have to to talk to you tomorrow, Sunday, (laughs) Walt. Oh, God. (laughs) I'll do it tonight, but, uh, oh, gee. Um, I got, what the heck was it that, oh, gee. At the end of Jan's show, she was talking about something, and I said, oh, I got to remember this. But now I don't remember what it is. <laughs> I'm going to have to Some, start. Something you know. political? Yeah, it was on that. Um, 
oh, oh, I know what it is. Okay, thank you, Walt. Okay, so you know this this uh, uh, Martha's uh, Martha's Vineyard Island um, attack by the immigrants that was orchestrated by Governor DeSantis of Florida. Walt doesn't watch TV, so maybe he doesn't know about this. Do you know about this, Walt? Well, I saw a post on Facebook that they they've sent a a whole troop of uh, these immigrants to Martha's Vineyards to Kamala Harris's home. It was, only, it was only 50, and I don't see what the problem is. Yeah. <laughs> She's got to have a tea set for at least 50 people so that she can give them something, a Coca-Cola or some tea, something. Oh, this, this story. He's talking about two separate groups. So the group yep. that went to Martha's Vineyard was 50, but it wasn't, it didn't start out as 50. It started out as about, like, 400 they got dropped off at various places going up the eastern seaboard, but the last 50s wanted to go the distance. Uh, the group that went to Camilla Harris's house was bussed in by Texas Governor Governor Abbott, and that really created quite a stir because that's the uh, former National Observatory for the Naval Academy, and it's a, it's a very old building in the place of historical importance and it's you know was was threatened mind you El Paso Texas which has been around a lot hell a lot longer than Washington um, <laughs> is threatened every day by 1500 people well and my comment would be is Camilla Harris a racist because why would she object to having immigrants in her neighborhood no, wh why he did it was because she was on um, CBS Sunday morning saying, oh, the border's secure. And yeah, so we have to say, oh, really? <laughs> you know, and um, it, okay, so the 50 that that, that went, attacked in, uh, the, 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 the quiet neighborhood of the richest people on the face of the earth, including Obama, who has, this is his, his uh, summer residence or whatever, because he lives in Hawaii, but this one is, uh, let me see, it was 32 acres and it cost $15 million. And he's he's got the tents, he puts tents out when he has parties for his, his uh, super elite. So they could have put out the tents and they could have had a tent city there. There was no lack of land. It's not winter, it's still, you know, fall. They're not gonna freeze to death, but the insanity of it all, okay? First off, this one guy, one of the people that lives there, I don't know what his, his official rank was, if there was any, but he said, this is DeSantis taking his trash and leaving it on our yard. That's what he said, okay? But the, uh, some of them... Some of them were very, very, oh, let us let us do something for them. So they had this uh, video of these people, these ab ob obviously not looking like the people, that the white people that live there. Um, they're they're, they're giving them food. They, the richest people in America, probably the world, have given them food. It was Rice Krispies. Uh, it was all junk food, snack food. Now, can you imagine these poor people? They were mostly from Venezuela. Can you imagine these people? Well, well it's because, Nancy, rich people don't cook. Right. Well, they got people to cook for them. But 
that that the one that the one that I just was like, oh you, and I said a lot of very very nasty words after it, right? In order to support these immigrants, they set it set up a you fund me, and they got forty three thousand dollars in money on that you fund me. And then they made a change to the UFUNDME. This fund is not going to go for those 50 immigrants that came and we threw out. Well, we actually had the military take them to a military base. Um, what, they, what they're going to do is they're going to have this. We're going to save this in case this ever happens again. Can you imagine? Wow. And well, I mean, how do you think they got rich? Oh, my God. God, what nasty! So wait a minute. So, so now that the now that the dumps have been emptied out and they've rescued all the children, and they're un, unable to exploit children for the adrenochrome and everything, they're going to switch to immigrants. They're going to um, reprocess immigrants instead of children. That's how they're going to handle it. I'm I'm curious, you know, because the. <laughs> They're so imaginative to when they want to use human resources. Uh, I don't see this being a problem. Just put them through the processing center. I don't really know what you're talking about. I mean, I do know well, what you're talking you know, about. You, you know what I'm talking about is that they've emptied out all the dumps in all the children that were being held in captivity in order to exploit them. In order no, to use they, their you don't, no, you, you don't understand. They need the children. They need the children. They don't care about the, unless they're some women, young women. They don't want the rest of them. Oh. It, it worked, it, 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 these people, when that guy said DeSantis is trash, okay, those people really believe this. They don't even comprehend that every human being is as good as they are. They have a most the most perverted uh, beliefs in themselves. You know why? Because they don't. They're evil. They 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 don't know. We oh they're so lonely. They're they oh my god. I got. I mean these are the most scared people in the world. Are the elite because they can feel it. They can feel it. They know the truth, but they can't. You know they can't look at the truth because if they look at the truth, their whole lives are gone. At least they're going to pretend they're they're okay. They are very very sick people, and that was a brilliant move on DeSantis's part, because you couldn't have wanted your opposition to act any badder than they did. They they were just disgusting, and not okay. only that, but they only had fifty people, and the military was sent right in. <laughs> you know. They, the the Texas and, and Arizona have been begging, begging for military support, and they can't get it. Well, the whole thing that gets me is, I mean, aren't we supposed to have this attitude of being inclusive and, you know, welcoming immigrants into our country? I mean, that that's the agenda that they want us to embrace. So why are they... You know, all of a sudden, I mean, what happened, and it was really only 50 people. That's not a big deal. And these are immigrants. It's not like they're homeless people like we have in California. And in California, on the West Coast, every city is, every major city is basically a tent city. 
So why why aren't they embracing what the rest of the nation is having to deal with? This well, is you what they answered this is your what they own want. question when you said that's what they want us to do. They want us to do, not them. Hey, they had signs all over the the, the, the town up there, all over the yeah. island. One of the Fox people went out and started recording. Sign. We want. We we embrace everybody. Everybody is welcome here. They had all that slogan stuff, Yasmin, on every every store in the window. Probably on the on the churches too, but Fox. You know, I'm sure the others weren't doing it, but Fox was. Oh, look at this. This is a sanc- sanctuary city or sanctuary island here. Look at all this. Oh, well, um, but you can say the words, but their actions are not backing up what they're saying. Right. So the, the easiest way to explain it is if, if if something happens, like Chris Rock gets slapped or 50 immigrants show up Martha's Vineyard, and I'm across the planet, and I, I can't do anything physically, but I can virtue signal, right? I can actually virtue signal. So I decide to step up, and I virtue signal by starting a GoFundMe to help the Martha Vineyard's people, but I live in... Play. And then the next day, they, I, I have 50 immigrants show up at my house, and all of a sudden, I'm like, well, what the heck am I supposed to do now, right? So I close, and I lock the door, and I call the cops, and I say, look, 50 people just showed up at my house because my virtue signal got challenged. The sanctuary cities never really wanted to be sanctuary cities. They wanted to, to sound like sanctuary cities and sound embracing of all these different individuals and have totally destroyed their own humanity by allowing people to live on the streets. And they're not just homeless people, they're drug addicts that live on the streets and there are crazy people that live on the streets and we're unwilling to triage to help people that live on the streets. And it, the, the, this, this one group of people that got to New York City, they, they were in a kind of a shelter thing, but they were in a shelter that was already overflowing with the street people of New York. And they said, who do we complain to? These people need help. (laughs) They were immigrants. I don't know what their nationality was. But they felt terrible for the people that were in that shelter to begin with. I just started laughing. I wanted to cry, but I started laughing because it was like, this is worse than where we came from. We just spent four months trying to get here, and now we're in a nightmare. I would never challenge anybody's beliefs, you know, I, I, I get it, that's what you want to do. But if you if you live in some sort of bubble where you've decided you're the woke one, be careful, you know. If you live in some sort of bubble where you're the virtue signaling person, be careful because you'll find out sometimes you're on the wrong side of the issue. These people need help. We let people cross the border. We let drugs cross the border. We let human trafficking go on. We secure the border. We stop that. And people say, oh, we should be embracing like other countries. Please name one that takes in as many immigrants as we do that don't come across illegally. And I will discuss this with them. Well, you know, I mean, I've I've said somebody said something to me about I, I think I probably said something about, you know, the crisis of the border or what's the horrendous things happening there. And they looked at me and they said, what are you talking about? I said, the invasion at the border. Oh, yeah, like that stupid ass talking to me. Um, and, and it's like, it's astounding. Fox has been there since the beginning. And now, still, even now, oh, there's a few from the other channels. 
but not many, and they're not give, getting in the coverage. So the vast population of America, if you're not watching Fox, you have a totally, di- oh, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. I We're guess all these people in. I guess I'm one of those people that says, watch Fox. If, if, you, if you're going to watch the news, watch the Fox, but go ahead and watch CNN. And go ahead and watch the BBC, or like I was watching the, the Queen's procession and i think i was watching that on cnn 18 news or something so you know you got to check your sources yeah you need to listen to both sides well no you don't don't for god's sakes listen to the other side because you're wasting your time and you're going to get angry every every time they put because fox does this they put they do quite a lot of videos from the other network showing them what they're saying about the same subject and i virtually get angry every or i either am laughing or very angry the things that these people say is just uh, you you, you're embarrassed to be a human being if you got people like that i mean it's just they were they were comparing the holocaust to the 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 island thing what, what what is that uh the island we we're just talking about it what's the name of it oh, Martha's no. Vineyard Martha's Vineyard yes they actually Martha's uh, Vineyard is an island yeah it's an island oh it's off the, off the coast of Maine I, Maine yeah um oh Massachusetts off the coast of Massachusetts and you know but yeah comparing 50 immigrants going to a white neighborhood of the most elite of the elite to a Holocaust in situation. To the Holocaust. I mean, these people are insane. Now, wait a minute. You're saying this is a, an island for exclusive white people. Who transported all these immigrants? Because obviously they didn't, when, when they were this, going to book the transportation. He sent, a, he sent a plane. Governor DeSantis took the immigrants that had been sent to him on, in the middle of the night flights from, from Biden's group. See, the Biden co- government has been flying people, tens of thousands of people all over the United States in the middle of the night, dropping oh. them off at airports where then the uh, nonprofit organizations meet them and then bring them into the community. So the communities for a, for quite a while didn't even realize this was happening. But somebody got wind of it in New York and went down to the airport where the smaller smaller airport, not one of the huge ones, to see what what they could see and sure enough they started filming these different I think it was a post, I think it was New York Post sh- showing these planes coming in at four o'clock in the morning with you know a couple hundred immigrants coming off of them. And then being put on buses and off they go. As a matter of fact, at one point they followed them. And they went to some kind of an NCO uh, shelter. So I don't know what it was. So instead, but, of dropping, instead of dropping bombs, they're dropping people? Right. And they did, it to, they, they did it to DeSantis. And what happened was that Florida, okay, they did the same thing. They were flying into Jacksonville. All right. So DeSantis sends out his... He says, what the heck, if they're doing it there, they're probably doing it here. So he, he he started putting out notices to the government, you know, the airports and everything. You see any weird planes coming in in the middle of the night, let us know. And sure enough, there they were. 
And one of the people that got off of that plane within weeks of getting off of that plane murdered somebody. Mm. You know, and I'm sure that the oh, who what one of the Fox commentators, he said, if those people, those 50 people had gotten off a plane were Ukrainian. Oh, they would probably have adopted them. Mm. Yeah, we do have racists in America. The ones with the money. But they hate white people, poor white people. It's, it's a class thing, not just the color of our skins, you know. Oy, oy, oy. They hate everyone who's not part of their club. That's who yep. So, Dolly, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I was out with uh, Annette. She took me to the pharmacy. And I was looking around. Everything was looking clean. I mean, like somebody had gone through and washed everything. The houses, the streets, the light poles, the the restaurants, the buildings, the... Everything, the air and the sky and everything is cleaner. Everything is fresher. Uh, Everything is so different. And I was telling Annette, oh, my gosh, it's it's so nice. She says, well, Mom, it still looks dirty to me. And. I was so amazed at how clean everything looked. Finally, it hit me. And that didn't make the journey with me. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> you, you're you're in the new reality. She's still stuck in the old one. And see, I didn't even realize it until I got outside. And I was seeing. I, I was seeing the difference. And that says, boy, you got to get out more often, Mom. <laughs> she was not understanding at all, even though I explained it all to her. Uh, she, she still, she didn't come with me. Now, for those people that don't know, we had a uh, show on Cosmic Reality. And Dolly started telling us this awful story about how she could, her legs weren't moving. And I'm going like, Dolly, what are you doing? Why are you telling people this? Don't tell people this. Because it didn't make for good radio. And <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so, so I, I and my guides are going, just, just calm down, calm down. And I'm going, all right, all right. You know, and I'm sitting here and all of a sudden it turns around and she starts telling about how now her legs are working, but she's got, and she's given all this explanation. If you want to hear it, it's the first uh, hour of Cosmic Reality, the very first beginning of the show. And then Walter says, oh, Dolly, go ahead, Walt, tell, tell, tell us what you told Dolly, what was happening to Dolly. Well, wait, let's tell him. I, part of it was I was going through this tunnel, and uh and I was having difficulties getting through the tunnel. I, I just, and then Walt took it from there. Yeah, when, when Dolly described what she was living through, um, it it uh, fit exactly to a T, the description that I heard back in 2005 when Dr. Costa was uh, talking about what the changes are, that people are 
ch physical changes and that people are going to experience. And that's why it behooves us. At the time he was going around uh, to different states and even he went to even different countries teaching the 15 step process because he said people have to clean up their uh, spiritual uh, baggage because otherwise it's it's not compatible to where we're going to where the earth is going so it behooves us to clean house as soon as possible and as fast as possible so one of the things that uh, that he described that we would be experiencing is that it it's uh, you're actually it's like you're dying without dying you're actually changing your life but you don't have you you don't need to experience physical death in order to experience your new life it, it's the whole thing is being changed and while you're still the whole thing in the body is being changed while you're still in it in the past it used to be there was no choice you had to leave the plant leave, leave the body and uh, come back in another in, in another be born in another body and it's so incredibly annoying and inconvenient because you have to grow up again and all that instead of being able to hold on to what you already know uh, but he says no that's not going to happen you're going to be experiencing death without dying that's what that's the, the short of it that's what you're going to be experiencing and, and a lot of people unfortunately uh, are are going to commit suicide because a lot of people don't know what's going what's happening like for example he said that there is not a single doctor alive who's trained to understand and identify fourth dimensional cells. He says many, many, but many people are going to be diagnosed with cancer and they don't have cancer. So he says you can imagine the stress on the body where you're acclimating yourself and setting up new fourth dimensional cells. And at the same time, you're being attacked from all corners with chemotherapy. Very few people, if any, are going to survive such an onslaught because, you know, the, the body's how can it defend itself if when it's at the same time that it's getting this chemotherapy is at the same time it's changing the cells and he says there aren't any there's nobody set up to understand it and in, and in fact um a lady friend who used to belong to another she used to be she used to belong to the jo, um, frank jordan group and uh she for many years she worked in a in a laboratory you know where they do all kinds of you know urinalysis and blood analysis and all and all of this stuff and uh she confirmed she says anything that they're that they're looking at the microscope and they don't know what it is that's the first thing they do they label it oh it's cancer without even any further investigation or any other uh, no they don't recognize it they can't put a label on it poop you got cancer and that's not and that's <laughs> when she said that it it, it made me uh, remember the words of uh, Dr. Costa. So many people are going to be misdiagnosed, that, but uh, because and unfortunately they're they're in this state of fear, and the first thing they do is they run over to the doctor because they think the doctor no, the doctor is the last one to know and understand what's going on. You'd be better off trusting your instinct. Yet the body know will know how to do it. It's the problem is the human ego. It gets caught up in the fear factor, but because unfortunately, let's let's face it. I mean, the cabal has conditioned us so well to be afraid of everything that uh, that's our first knee-jerk reaction. Okay, oh, well, this is we got this is terrible. This is fearful. This is 
what's going to happen? Well, if you leave it alone, nothing is going to happen because here you have it. Dali went through something that most people would faint because, you know, imagine, you know, being going back from bad wars. Now, all of a sudden, you can't use your legs. So, but she stayed with it and she came out the other side. And now you see that that tunnel that you were going through, you were actually, yes, you were going through a tunnel because you were leaving one life to go into the new life. And there you have it. You're, she's in a clean, sparkling clean city. Her daughter is not. <laughs> and we well, live in the same place. Yeah. And Dolly, you're so much stronger. I said to Nick after the show, I said, did you notice how much stronger Dolly was? And and even tonight, your voice is stronger. I mean, you don't seem to be having as many breathing problems. I mean, it's just you. I, I maybe I think maybe you died and came back already, Dolly. Oh my God, you must be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never come back. I'll, oh, the, oh, talk talk about karma. I'll never come back here. You remember her saying that? Well, I'll never come back yeah. here. But the, right. well, the problem is our imagination. We have this this whole built story in our heads that oh, on the other side it's going to be this way. We don't have any guarantee that it's going to be any way. Well, the cause I'm, I'm just <laughs> the cosmic universe has such a sense of humor, you know. Yeah, she won't come back. We just won't let her leave, you know. We'll just yeah. build, her, build her while she's here. Well, think about it. You, she's she was a she's a witness to a sparkling clean city. Uh, is everybody else a witness to a sparkling clean city? No. So obviously she's not here anymore. Ooh, I wonder if I can just shift into the new reality and not have to clean my house anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I'm gonna work on that one. <laughs> yeah. That'd be sweet. <laughs> Real sweet. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you stuck with us for all that torture that you went through to get your new body. Without oh I really, I thought, oh, am I going to see the, remember when I was in the hospital and I was dying and all the five angels came and got me? Well, I was wondering, am I going to see that death? again uh, but I didn't see death I just I was it was like Walt explained I, I was going through a birthing and it wasn't fun <laughs> but I made it I, well, I told Nancy I will go out fighting I will never commit suicide uh, I will go out fighting no matter how bad I want to get home. For those people that are um, uh, so in love with youth, is that you know youth is uh, okay, nice and fun, you know, past your twenties, but to grow up being a child again, my childhood was, was nothing was nothing that you would call anywhere near fun. So going through through it again, no, thank you, not for me. I wouldn't want it. Go through <laughs> childhood again, either. Well, there was no time. There's no time. You know, you, they they couldn't they couldn't God couldn't take you and bring you back because you'd be lost for about forty, fifty, six. Oh, 
maybe 70 years <laughs> before you got back to where you are. You know, no time, no time for this. You got to do it now. <laughs> well, I'm glad it happened because I am feeling so much better. Uh, my legs still aren't completely over it. I, they get where, like when you get cramps and your muscles get stiff, my legs get stiff, uh, but I can walk on them. I didn't. I have. I don't lose the ability to walk on them like I did. And have well, to have. I'm getting. I'm getting exercise. Them exercise and pool. Pool. Oh, I. I was in there two hours today with that exercise in my. And now I'm. Now I'm hearing uh, not enough. <laughs> they, they want you to do more, I, and I think it might be Dave talking to me. He's got some. It, he's, I don't know where he is, but he's like long distance. I know. I get the same thing, Nancy. I don't know where he is. Um, oh, but he oh, wants wait, me wait, to wait, do wait. it more? Wait no, wait okay. a minute. He's, he's showing me what he looks like now. And he oh. looks like an angel. I know. Does he have the purple robe on? No, he's in in like white. <laughs> he's like El he's now he's saying like Elvis. <laughs> God, he's funny. That's funny. <laughs> uh, 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 oh, oh. And now he now he's dancing. Uh -huh. He's doing this jig thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's just turned his butt around to me and wiggled it. With angel wings. I mean he's got the angel wings, he says they're props. But he <laughs> Oh, dear God, I hope I hope that was Dave because otherwise I've really gone over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's him. <laughs> oh Lord. Anyway, yes, he's saying you got to do more exercising. Yes, I agree. Well, two hours was enough at one time because I was starting to hurt, and uh, when you get to the exercise where you're hurting, you. You've done enough for that moment in time. Yep. So, Yasmin, what are you thinking? What's Bob thinking? Thinks we're crazy, right? <laughs> well, um, I I haven't shared this with him yet. Um, so we'll get his reaction live on radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, so something interesting just and it just occurred to me this morning that I've been doing this around him. And um, it's weird. It's like we'll be in the middle of a conversation talking about something completely different. And then we'll finish that conversation. And then it's almost like I get really spacey, almost like I trance out and this is something I simply don't do unless I'm in meditation and do it on purpose. So it's really weird. It's like I'll trance out and then I'll have a thought that pops into my head. And it's almost like it's something which I'm almost responding to him about. And I'll just start talking and it's a completely different subject than what we were previous to previously talking about so from a 3d perspective 
if he were to just listen to what I jump from one subject to a completely different subject, I don't think he'd have the foggiest idea of what I was talking about, but I jump to this other subject and he knows exactly what I'm talking about and he responds. So, I mean, obviously it's a form of telepathy, but it's kind of interesting because we've never had that sort of communication before. And I think I've been doing it with other people as well. I'll have to pay more attention now. So, yeah, something's changing, I think. <laughs> well, welcome to my world. Okay. I, get, I, get so, I get so bored in conversations with, you know, people. Because I know what they're saying before they say it. And <clears throat> so I, I tend, not, I try not to cut people off on the radio. But when I'm talking one-on-one, -on -one, I cut people off all the time because I don't have the time for them to tell me what I already know. But I give them the answer, and they don't pick up on the fact that they never finished the question. Ah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do now. <laughs> and, so, and so you don't have to worry about it because, yes, you're cutting them off, but you're giving them the, the, the answer that they, they were asking. And it's just that we are in an accelerated response time. You yeah. know, something happens, we're responding a little faster than we did before. Manifestation is much faster than it was before. Also, uh, that's a very projector thing to do, not to, uh, not to let people finish the question. It's a projector thing because the projector already knows what's going on. You're picking up on the entire on the entire thing surrounding that person. That's why you. You don't need to listen to the end of the question. No, is yeah. Jasmine a projector too? No, no, I'm a generator and Bob's the Bob projector. Is. So it's interesting that I just trance out, I get something pops in my head and I start talking to him like I was responding to something he might have been sending me. But I don't even realize, I, I wasn't even realizing I was doing that. So I... Let's get his take on it. <laughs> so, so the problem is that there's two modes in there. There's your normal everyday operating mode, Nancy, and I, I get exactly what you're saying. And, you know, I work in an environment where we have a team of mechanics and electricians and instrument and control technicians and operators and, and all sorts of interested, dedicated individuals. And if you sat there and took five minutes with 15 people before you did a job, you wouldn't even start it in that day, and that's government. Um, so so like, it's exactly like what you said, we need to get to the chase. Problem is that there's this leadership role that we get into, and we forget that even if we're not in the military or on a boat or, or out backpacking, whatever it is, that we are in leadership roles. We are alphas, and we are beta individuals by nature. And if we get into these conversations with regular individuals and we keep cutting each other off, pretty soon we won't be talking to anybody. So we need to back off in leadership mode. The discussions of cutting people off by controlling our questions and our instructions to them so that there's no ambiguity. And then we get the information back out, but they feel like they've participated. 
And that's the leadership mode that we've forgotten is making the other person feel like they've contributed to that conversation. Okay, so this morning, I have a question for you. So this morning. Yeah, this one hurts. Go ahead. You, we were at, <laughs> we were talking about, what were we talking about? I can't even remember. If you. But I switched to a subject of, I think it was, oh, we can talk about this on the radio. Was, cause I, somehow I internally got a trigger to respond to that. And it was completely off topic from what we were originally discussing. And you didn't even miss a beat. Right. So had you had that question? No. Okay. So. Or had you had that thought? Wait, wait, pause. <laughs> okay. Please pause. Okay. I, I'm sorry. Walt, Dolly, and Nancy, stand by for a moment. Historical, historical reference points. Uh, my older brother, Michael, and I shared a room. And uh, we had to be separated because we talked in our sleep. Um, if you asked us as children when I was six, seven, eight years old, um, we had no idea what we talked about, but our mother couldn't stand it. So she moved us to another house so that we would have separate bedrooms so she could actually get a night's sleep without us talking all night. Well, we were very big into movies and music and the Lions Club and, and scouting. So we would have numerous conversations about certain items going on all the time and willing almost walk through a room and talk about a scouting conversation and then cross through that same room three seconds later and talk about the meeting at the Lions Club the next day as if we never left the conversation at the Lions Club. Because you have these conversations so often, you'll find these when you interject with the same people over and over again, you have long-term conversations that happens over days or weeks. We've been talking about this show for five days and she's asking me to remember one moment. I'm a guy, I don't remember that. If you want to remember something, ask the girl that was there. Not supposed to be a joke, folks. Okay. Nobody laughed, okay. sorry. <laughs> well, I think you and your brother were telepathically communicating. Well, uh, obviously, yes, but in your case, no, because we could have had that conversation three days ago prepping for the show. Sorry, maritable dispute. Maritable, <laughs> marital dispute. <laughs> well, I just want—I just wonder if it was telepathy because she moved you. You don't have to be in the same room to have telepathy. That's correct. It could have been. I'm not denying that there's that possibility. I'm suggesting the compromise of we could have started that conversation on Thursday night talking about this show. Talking about what we were going to talk about this weekend. Mind you, I don't even remember what I had listed on Thursday night because I didn't write it down. I'm a dude. <laughs> okay, first, first off, first off, you seem to think that um, we should back off of telepathy, and I disagree with you because oh, no, I, think, I disagree I too. No, no. So, so I'm not. I'm not the ones that's saying that totally back off of it. I'm just saying that, you know, if, if you're, we'll use the Harry Potter reference. If I'm a wizard, and you're a Muggle, who owns who, <laughs> right? You can't have that. You cannot have people who have no, 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 ways no. of power to have power. So no, 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 no. no. Wait, listen to me for a second, okay? okay? Because a true leader is going to teach what you what they know, so that everybody has an upbringing. So when I got into the military, I had um, 
two two enlisted people and a civilian that worked with me in a very special operations office. And so I I was the one that made the choice of the enlisted people. So I just brought in different people and I sat there and saw how how easily they could be trained in telepathy. And I took the two people that I thought could be, and I trained them in telepathy. I trained my civilian counterpart in it. And so we operated in a room, the office, we could, there's no way we could have operated the way we did, did so much without telepathy. I'll tell you that. And one time I had a, a, an officer ranking higher than I was who came into the office with a report that he wanted me to look, to look at. And I'm reading it and you know, every once in a while they'd ask me something and I'd say something and, you know, it was kind of a lengthy report, but he just sat there and then he's all of a sudden he just burst out laughing and he kind of, you know, it, it spooked me. Well, what are you laughing at? He said, I, I don't understand this office. He said, none of you are saying a complete sentence. None of you. Yeah, just, that's how, exactly how you, what it's like. How do you, yeah, how do you so operate? I, I totally all right. But that's what I'm saying, is that if everybody goes into (laughs) just the end of that story, he laughed like hell when I told him it was telepathy. The next day, I had to go to his office because of some report. I'm reading the report, and he's having a sexual fantasy about me at the same time. So I actually actually finished the report before he did the sexual fantasy. And so, you know, uh, he finishes. I looked at him, and I said, I told you yesterday yesterday that we worked on telepathy and you did this to me today and he turned bright red and he's like and then i went through what he was you know oh you, you like this this and this huh you know and he got his reaction could have been a number of things but what he said to me was can you teach me telepathy <laughs> so so I did, but then after that, I stopped teaching people telepathy because I taught him enough to go home to his wife and looked. he took one look at her and said, you're cheating on me, aren't you? Because all of a sudden, he could read her mind, you know, and like, uh-oh. uh-oh. And he ended up getting divorced, you know, and I said, I don't think I should teach people this because that's the problem, is that if you get really good at it, you're, you're, you're in everybody's mind, but they're in yours. And I got no tell- secrets. Mm-hmm. No secrets. And most people lie. They don't know they're lying in many cases, but they lie. That's what began to frustrate me. They'd be telling me one thing out of their physical mouth, and in their mind, they're thinking something totally different. Okay, I, I get that. But look, allow me to, to retort on three quick things, or maybe two. One is on the leadership thing. When you're in a controlled experiment, and and I don't disparage anybody that's ever served in the military, I get it. I uh, I appreciate their service. I, I wish I could have done so myself, but all I could ever do was volunteer and help a little bit. But a leadership role inside of a hopefully controlled experiment and a leadership role being dropped in a zone and given seven people you just met that day are two totally different things. And, and by by the leadership role, I meant that when we go into a store and we talk to the checker at the store and we look about the store and we see the empty shelves, we have a we have a moment in time where they're struggling just as hard as we are. They're struggling to provide materials at a reasonable cost in a bad situation just as hard as we are. 
And I think after two years with masks, telepathic communication isn't good for these people. We need to get back to facial expressions. And that's the leadership role that I was talking about was taking the time to get to know people again and learn about their facial expressions. Or maybe the mask wearing has triggered more telepathic communication. And maybe it has, but, but I just think that we need to, not everybody can keep up with it. It's like you said, Nancy, number two, Yes, it's like the movies we talk about. What's that What Women Want with Mel Gibson or Harrison Bergeron? You get too smart in Harrison Bergeron and they just perform surgery on you. So then who decides who gets that? The telepaths? Because I, I just don't have the gene. So am I the odd no, man? It's not, it's not, it's not. That, that's the thing is everybody is telepathic. It, it, it's just that some people, okay, some people are telepathic in that they can see pictures or images, okay? Now they've got to interpret them. Some people see words. They'll actually see like words in front of them. So you have to know what what imaging to send to people. And if you if you get somebody you don't know, well then you do little tricks to find out which way they're working. And then you can step it up because you know, okay, they, they want words, they don't want you know they they they're not really tuned in. It's like they got a radio, but they don't have a or a teletext, and they don't have you know the the video yet. Um, so there's techniques of training, and it's very very fast. And I've not seen anybody who you know knowingly went into you want to be more telepathic. Let me show you how. You know that didn't get it really quickly. It just depends on how much how. If you want to live in that world or not, it's very difficult to live in. I mean, I basically don't look at anybody anymore. I mean, if I'm talking to somebody that's on my wavelength and I'm trying to help them get whatever information there is, at that point, yeah, I'm just spilling information to them. But, you know, in a one to one situation, I don't even turn it on. Because I just play whatever third dimensional game I'm in, you know. Oh, you got that many kids. Wow, are they in college? <laughs> you know, or are they sane people that have got trades like electrician and plumber <laughs> or truck driver? Yeah. No, I love people. I think I find I've ne- never met anybody that didn't have a life story that was interesting. But um, yeah, so. I think that most people are get well, I think in the next reality that it it's much more telepathic. Well, it's interesting as a psychological experiment because you have a huge population that is basically been gaslighted and there's so much they don't want to see yet, you know, all that trauma and mask wearing is actually probably get a trigger them to see much more than they probably ever wanted to. Oh, I'm sure. They've got to, I mean, I just can't believe that anybody <laughs> would think that, that Biden and company is a good thing. I just, I don't understand it. How can you say that? Everything is in the toilet right now. <laughs> what is it that you see about them? And then uh, Jesse Waters had his uh, 
sidekick there go off into the beach and talk to people and he asked that question you know what has biden done for you that you're so happy with him and one woman said he brought us in what inflation he brought us inflation (laughs) you know he's like oh okay good thank god we got inflation (laughs) Uh, or maybe people are like uh I know that you live in this country and this is what you know, but if you were to look at the mentality of Argentina, the mentality in general of people is actually negative. You actually shy away from anything good or positive. If something like, for example, music or theater or whatever, whatever it is, as long as it's painful and it makes you suffer, that's it. That's what you want to enjoy. If something is happy, it, it doesn't feel real to them. They dislike happiness because it doesn't feel real to them. They enjoy something that engages you and makes you suffer. That's that's real. That's true for them. You think I'm making this up? You're welcome to pay a visit because that's exactly the way they are. I mean, look at uh, look at their own film industry. Those that filmed the, the most, the worst movies, worse in the sense that they they are the worst dramas. I mean, it's like you leave the theater and you're like in pieces because the amount of crying and suffering you've done. Well, that they said that was money well spent. They really enjoy that. So when I look at a population where it's the the norm to suffer and life is not good if you're not suffering all the time. That's a negative population. I'm sorry, but you you can't talk to them about love, uh, peace, happiness, appreciation. Those words, no, 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 no. Why do you think I'm living here? <laughs> At least here, you can talk why about. Is, why did they get that way? Well, what's the source of that? I don't know. Maybe because it's a it's a Nazi country. It's a fascist country. So suffering is it. The more you suffer, that the more. It, well, it comes with the church because uh, uh, it's 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 declared in their constitution that the official church is the CAR, Roman Catholic Church, and the church teaches you that uh, poverty is a virtue, having nothing is a virtue. So it's like it's like oh, the only. Um, Never will a rich man ever enter into heaven or something like that. Uh, they, you know, they extol all all the negative. The more you suffer, the more your God is going to reward you on the other side. That's that's a mentality. It's a, if you're too happy, there's something wrong with you. you. Life is not like that. Life is meant to be suffered. That's why last you, night, <laughs> last, mean, night I, last night on Fox they had a. Um, statement concerning the fact that Christian, the number of Christians in, in America has fallen rather drastically um, over the last, you know, few years. And I'm hearing this and I'm going like, oh, that can't be good. Oh, and I went, oh, what am I saying? That can't be good. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm not dishing Christianity. In the 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 concept of the Jesus story and what he taught, but to get rid of the churches, if you're not going to church anymore, if you're not kneeling in front of 
you know, a human being and giving away your sovereignty because only the priests can talk to the to the gods. Um, no, 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 that's not good. That's not good at all. And yet, if you follow the dictates of what Jesus was saying, you know, love everybody, do unto others, uh, you know, I mean, you know the story and what he taught, you know, that, that we're all one, you know, all, the, the whole story. It's a great story. It's a great way of, of, you know, looking at the universe. Got no problem with it. But the churches, mm, 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 they, they turned everything upside down and backwards. So, but yeah, so the good news is, is that the number of Christians out there in that they're Christian by the church they're going to, because um, I mean, I think if you're, I think if you, you really have the same, let's say spiritual essence of Jesus that, you, you know, you're, it's all the same. It's one name app, you know, I mean, the, the Islams, I mean, as, as long as you're, feeling good and you can feel joy and you can feel like you you you're important in the scheme of things because that's what i think happened in and you're right it probably was that church you know they're always putting people down well it's what and we we used to say it all the time that if uh, if jesus came to life right when we are when i was living there with with the rest of my with my father and the rest of the family, we would say it out in in, in the, over dinner. If Jesus came back to life now, they would they would uh, crucify him again, because he would be speaking out against them. So wow, that's powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Bob says he'd be on death row for ten years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. So why uh, why why would Bob be on death row? No, 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 not Bob. Jesus, Jesus, if he came back to Argentina. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> well, here here's the thing: uh, they openly speak against gay people, and ninety percent of the curia are gay. So ask yourself, what, what's, what's wrong with this picture? <laughs> well, what's a Curia? Curia are the priests. The Curia oh. is the Latin word for the, the, you know, the collect, it's a collective word. It's, it represents all the priesthood. It's like the English word for priesthood. Oh. The priesthood, they're 90% gay. <laughs> yeah. And, and they openly uh, speak against, my father, my father, uh, it's no, the, the break is coming. I don't have enough time to tell this anecdote. I'll okay, tell you well, after the break. Okay, take a note on that. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs>
Welcome back to Say What? It's September 17th, 2022. I'm Nancy Hopkins. With me is Dolly Howard, Walt Silva, Yasmin, and Bob West. I'm assuming you guys all back. That was yep. so beautiful, Nancy. I yep. love that rendition. And thank you so much. You're welcome. Beautiful. I sang that in choir. Uh-huh. Did you? Yeah. Church choir or school choir? School choir. We had to do a concert. I think it was our spring concert. Did you do uh, solos? No. No, no. I I... Wow. Yeah, in alto. <laughs> yeah, I'm alto. Even as, even as a kid, I was in the alto, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, me too. I enjoyed choir. I don't think I sang more shit, but the teacher was very lenient with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I there was another girl who did a he had, she had soprano. Yeah. So they would have the two of us come together. Oh. You know. Uh huh. And that, that's what that's the, the only reason I think I was there. She had a beautiful voice. So you blended well together. Yeah, 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 yeah. And little kids, you know, little kids. I mean, little kids, not too many of them are alto. No, they aren't. Yeah. 
But you were too. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. Loved it. Me too. I don't think Walt was in the choir though. We won't ask him. <laughs> Yasmin, were you in a choir? Bob, were you in a choir? Are they here? <laughs> I don't know. She's muted. You're muted, Yasmin. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> No, I was never in a choir, but I guess Bob was. I was in a choir. Okay. Church or school? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so um, neither. I was, uh, I, was, uh, I was stolen along with uh, many other individuals from Sacramento's uh, Catholic School Society, and we sang for the inauguration of Bishop Francis Quinn. Um, and that was the only time I sang in public other than Carnegie Hall, New York. What? I have sung in Carnegie Hall, New York. <laughs> That's in too public. funny. You know, hey, listen, and you didn't know that, eh, Yasmin? I have to hear this story. So <laughs> I was in New York in 1978 with our family, and we were going by Carnegie Hall. And the stage door was open, and my father was a former producer, stagehand, and musician. Um, and so our whole family was media-oriented, and what we said was, literally, the four of us went, there will never be another opportunity where we can enter Carnegie Hall without anybody messing with us. Now is the time. And so he literally led us through a cavern of, of staircases and whatnot, trying to find his way. And we ended up coming up through a trap door, literally onto the middle of the stage at Carnegie Hall. And so he said, I think we got time for one verse of row, row, row your boat before they catch us. And so my mom sat down and we started singing and sure shit, they caught us. <laughs> so he... Really did sing at Carnegie Hall. I sang professionally at Carnegie Hall. I sang for my mother, and yes, she paid us a penny each. <laughs> oh my word, that's funny. So well, like I Bohemian Grove story. Yeah, like what do you do, right? What do you do? Seem seem to make sense to me. <laughs> I love your parents that they would do that. Three thinkers. Yeah, his uh, his dad was a rule breaker. <laughs> okay, so Walt, do you remember where you were in the story? No, Don, yeah. get back. Yeah. No, did you have something to say? No. no. Oh, okay. Oh, I see I'm unmuted. I was <laughs> muted. I don't know why I unmuted. Mercury. 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 Mercury and Mercury. <laughs> Mercury. <laughs> it's a Mercury thing. <laughs> okay, Walt, go. Oh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> when um, this was, uh, my father was downtown in Argentina, and on the street he crossed he he crossed path with this man that he knew when he was in high school, and uh, he. Everybody referred to him as Master Volpe. His last name was Volpe with a with a V, uh, because he was a, um, a teacher of music 
and he was also a director for um, choral groups like children's choirs from schools especially he he taught in uh, in catholic schools so and and he actually made a name for himself he traveled all over the country with his uh with his uh, choirs and and they would do recitals in in different venues uh but uh when my father um met him he was aware uh the first thing that he remembered was that um he this man had been excommunicated he didn't lose any of his contracts he continued teaching music nobody cared but uh the bishop actually excommunicated him from the church because this man against the orders of the bishop decided to marry a woman who was an evangelist so you know big big sinful thing you don't that you don't do that you don't marry somebody from another another team i guess uh, but he didn't care he married his wife but and my father remembered him that in his youth i i don't know if he was in after high school or doing high school he actually studied he uh he joined the seminary because he wanted to be a priest and, and he said oh yeah that's that's true it, it, i did want to be a, a priest but i had to go to drop it and so my father asked me you know what, what's going on i mean you were dead set to be like that to be a priest what uh, made you change your mind and then in in the city of mendoza up up in the in the mountains you have these uh, places which have these um weekend homes places where people go to spend a weekend or a week off and uh, it's like so the church owned like i guess you would call it a a, a spiritual retreat center which uh it was a big thing a big uh building there and they were supposed to do like spiritual retreats and everything for, for all the students studying the, the seminary. So this guy, he says, I got assigned to spend a weekend there with the rest of the guys studying to be a, a priest. And he actually, I think he was able to grab a bus or something, but they were supposed to be there for a week. And he actually came back he they left on a friday he came back on that monday on the on the bus to bring him downtown and he says what happened why did you why did you drop the seminary and he says no i, I couldn't do it i just i just couldn't do it he says what do you mean whether you couldn't do it he says i i was already set to go there on prayer fast and uh, meditating and all of that he says but all the guys they wanted to do is have sex with each other it was a it was a, a it was a full-on orgy the, for the whole week so i knew what was going to happen the rest of the week so i just got on the on the nearest bus and came back downtown and that's what made him the drop the seminary and he just dedicated himself completely to be to teaching music because he he knew he was never going to be a priest if those were the requirements and it's such hypocrisy on the part of the church because they openly talk against people that are gay and they themselves are the worst gays ever. <laughs> so, but uh, the, uh, unfortunately, the, the church never, that they wouldn't forgive his uh, marriage to an evangelist woman. So he got excommunicated. But, uh, and that's just one of many anecdotes my father had. Uh, that's what, that's why he, he, I my father was raised a Catholic. I was never baptized. 
in in Argentine parlance, you you would say the child is a Moor, more like the the Arabians, like the Moors in uh, in in Venice, where you have the the Moors because they weren't baptized. That was my case. I, I was never the only time I received any kind of spiritual initiation was when I, I received the Kriya Yoga initiation at SRF from Paramhansa Yogananda. But before that, I never been baptized. I never had that religious contract on my head because my father says no. He says Walter will choose when when it, when it when he feels this is the right thing for him to do, he'll do it. But not because I am going to force him to it. Did you Love want us to have a baptism for you, Walt? For no, <laughs> Catholic baptism? No way. Well, I'm we could baptize you in the Cosmic Reality Radio Land Church. <laughs> my mother is actually an ordained minister, so she could do it. <laughs> <laughs> of, of what? Uh, some internet church. <laughs> the church of Edward or the church of Fauci? No, she got it years ago. Because she actually baptized me when I was a teenager. Mm. Um, it's not the Unitarian Church. Um, God, you're baptized in a church you don't remember the name of? <laughs> <laughs> you might want to revoke that contract. Yeah, yeah, well... <laughs> Since that was from my mom. I, I don't, yeah. <laughs> you better ask your mother before she dies. Oh, by the way, what church did you baptize me in? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I... <laughs> and, to think, and to think that there are people that actually do it multiple times because you have the baptism, then you have the communion, and then you have the confirmation. I, I see how many times do they need you? To commit your your soul to their to their stuff. I mean, it's it's beyond crazy. How many contracts do you have to sign? Yeah, when my mom did it, it it was I see it as just a protection ritual because she just you know basically baptized me with the protection of Jesus Christ and yeah, there wasn't you know, much more <laughs> to it. It's weird we're on this conversation. Because I just thought about something I saw last night, and I said, no, nah, I'm not going to put it on this show, but then we went here, okay? Um, last night, they had, uh, I think it might have been two hours, uh, the story of the real exorcism behind the movie The Exorcist. And how they got to the full truth of it was because that, and this is, this is, this is the true story, this... I th what was he, 13 years old, I think it was, Roland. And there's a long story about how he gets to be possessed, but he's definitely possessed. So the priests take him to a hospital run by Catholic friars that was for physically in disabled uh, priests and also mentally, you know, uh, confused priests. And they put him in this room and they were trying to you know, heal him of this exorcism. Well, in, in <clears throat> heal him through exorcism. Well, in the movie, the, they take it and they say, you know, like it was only a short number of days, a week or something. I don't even remember. But in this case, it was well over a month. 
that the daily they were giving oh. these exorcisms to this kid. So what what was really oh gosh, I lost the track of where I was going with the story because I, oh. my mind just went in a number of different ways. Somebody's got oh see it happened again, Nancy. <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you. It happens to me too. Mostly it mutes me. <laughs> um, but the one where they took him, that building, they tore it down. And when they were tearing it down in the room, apparently, where this exorcism took place, they there was a desk. And inside the desk was a copy of the diary that the priests kept while they did the exorcism. So this show was <clears throat> was based on the diary. The construction workers found it. And but otherwise it was buried in the Catholic Church. Nobody knew about it except that they found it. And what happened was that it's a lot it's really a fascinating story about the exorcism and what happened to the priests and everything. But in the end, it, and it actually was the same sort of thing in the movie, I think. Um in the end, the of the the real story and this is why i wanted to ask you i walk because i don't remember the devil there was a there was a, a shift in the thing and i think the devil wrote out the kid wrote something and it was um he won't say the word that will make me leave and so the priests don't know what the what the word is at all but the night before this particular situation, the last of the exorcisms, the one that wins, the one that they get, you know, they actually win. Somebody, one of the priests had brought in a, a statue of the uh, Archangel Michael. And so that's there when the devil, <clears throat> who was, he's identified himself as, as Satan, says this, right? So they don't know what it is that the word is. But the word turned out to be, I guess, Latin for Lord. Begins with a D, Walt. Do you know what that word would be? Are you listening to me? Are you muted? Sorry, the the word in Latin that starts with D is, for example, day. Day means God. What Unless would it be? Another, another Latin word? No, but it's similar to that. But it means Lord. But anyway, it was that word. And for whatever reason, the, well, because Michael was there, Michael apparently stepped in and the, the Roland just went through this amazing, uh, you know, metaphysical event in his mind. And he actually said the word out loud. And then they knew that that was the wor word because it mean it, it has the connotation or the, uh, definition of uh, uh, giving your allegiance or uh, let's say acknowledging uh, the Lord. And uh, it was just absolutely fascinating. But the kid, the 13 year old kid went and became eventually a NASA scientist and he had a lot of patents that allowed spacecraft to become what they were. But 
in the end of the movie, I think the priest, after he sort of takes on takes the devil inside of him and then jumps off a bridge or something. I think that's the way it ends. She he jumps he jumps through the window in in the bedroom because there was a it was okay, a two story house, and then he, and then he falls in the backyard and that's so he died as a as a result of that fall and he uh, the other priest reaches to him before he passes, and uh, that that was the end of that film. Well, in the, the true story, what happened was that one of the priests did take on the devil. And for the rest of that priest's life, he was locked up in a room by the priests until he died. And the, the reason that anybody knows about that is because this one priest who was involved in this actually started talking. He, was, he had been terminally... Uh, with terminal cancer and he said i need to tell somebody the real story and began to not only did they have the diary but they had this other priest and the reporter that sort of pulled this together was two guys doing it sort of like independent you bring them together and boy they they really told the story but the one of them was uh brought up to this one room and they said don't go in this room but just lean down and listen to what's happening on the inside of that and so he did and he could hear chairs moving all around or something there was all sorts of sound coming from the room and that's when he heard about the priest that was actually took on the devil and and for the rest of their his life they locked him up weird story that but the story about the kid that it actually happened to was a phenomenal story he had a family and kids was normal life after that Whatever yeah. did they did they, did they determine what got him to be possessed in the first place? Well, the only thing they pointed to was he had an aunt Tilly, who, let's see, I think it was in the fall. She he had visited her and they played with a Ouija board, and then in January she died, and it was after that that things started happening. And I mean, no. the, the the old priest that was dying, he, he was describing, I, I mean, at one point, he the kid reached out and scratched a, a deep wound from the shoulder to the elbow in one of the priests. It got very, very violent in many ways. It, it, it was astounding. I mean, I'm sure the, the exorcist had that in the movie, too, but I just kind of, after I left that theater i wiped that sucker right out of my mind that was nasty <laughs> um so anyway yes it seems to be a true story and it um yeah playing with ouija words is a short recipe for disaster oh yeah you're opening the thor you're you're opening the door to very low vibration, very ignorant entities. So don't don't ex don't think that very high advanced entities are going to come to you through Ouija board. Quite the contrary, you're visiting the slums, the, the you're visiting <laughs> the worst neighborhoods available through the Ouija. I don't think seances are really the thing to do either. What do you? Yeah, think? you're you're opening the door. Because think about it, I I always thought of this. Okay, we on this side we are affected by the veil. 
So we only know what, hardly what we know. The folks on the other side are not affected by the veil. So they can, they can show up, they can do an x-ray on us, they can tell us all the crap that's in our heads, and we don't know anything about them. That's why they have, if they have, if these entities have any power over us, is that they beat us over the head with our own crap. That's why they, we think, oh, they're so powerful. Oh, they, they, this one told me everything. Well, they told you because they're on the other side. They're not affected by the veil. They can see exactly what's going on. And most people hide from themselves. Most people don't love themselves. Most people don't forgive themselves. So your own garbage is their favorite ammunition that they use against you. That's why they 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 come across as being, as being super powerful and so all knowing. No, they're they're just looking. They just have an open book to look at your crap, and meanwhile you have nothing because you're on the other side of the veil. You don't know anything about these entities, and they don't know anything at all. They could be saying to you the biggest whoppers and in lies, and it sounds so convincing, but they're but they're lies. So that's why that's why playing with a Ouija board, it, people think they they feel so powerful because uh, uh, they they are making these entities talk. They're not making this entity; they are making you talk. You don't re, you don't know what you're opening yourself up to. So, and unfortunately, we live in a in a society where none of these things are taught. We are not taught spiritual things, at least not correctly. Religion is presented as an organized thing, and you're only sh taught so much, and only you know e enough to follow orders, not enough to defend yourself. So, well, I have a question. Would um, do you think that maybe there was a different? Um, how do I want to say this? Um, maybe there was a different plan for the whole Ouija board thing because wasn't it originally targeted as a kid's game? I mean, well, I don't know the history of it. First, but... of, first of all, the Ouija is like 5,000 years old. That's how modern and brand new it is. And I, I find it very suspicious that they introduced it as a family board game when it's well, so right. dangerous. It yeah, because I was thinking maybe they're trying to capture children's psyche. Exactly. Yeah. My sister Heidi, who's a 10 years younger than I am, I was probably 17, 18. Her friends and she were down in the cellar. I didn't know what they were doing. I mean, they just down. We, we had a recreation area down there. And all of a sudden, I hear this blood curdling screaming. I mean, like. I, I couldn't even imagine. And they come running up from the cellar and all of her friends ran straight out the door and went running home. And she was trembling. And I said, what, what, what happened? She said, we were doing this Ouija board thing. And I don't even remember what she said, but there was a voice or something that came out that scared them so bad. And I, you know, at the time I didn't really know what a Ouija board was, but I've thought of that over the years, and I thought, boy, did she get lucky. Those girls got lucky. Well, for example, in in in, in our neighborhood where we had a house, uh, there was a a girl that was living a block away from us. Her name is Mabel, and she was friends with the other girls in the neighborhood. And 
one of the families living in the neighborhood, uh, they had uh, three daughters and one son. And the son was in the military. He was uh, studying to be a pilot. So one year, the whole family went out on vacation and they went to, uh, it's not, it's, um, you know, the, the, these lakes that are dammed where they fill up a certain amount of the territory and they make a lake. So a what happens is a like a reservoir, yeah. So they tell you, they warn you many times, especially if, if it's not filled all the way, they warn you because the the bottom of that lake is not like a normal lake and you encounter situations where there's a tons of mud and a lot of people have accidents because they go swimming and they get caught in the mud and that's exactly what happened with this young man uh he decided to you know being male and being military and well, i can do anything i want he decided to dive in when he dove in his head got stuck in the mud and even though they 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 tried their best to resuscitate him on the, when they pulled him out of the mud and everything, but he he passed, so he he died from he drowned in the in the mud. Uh, the family was so affected that the mother couldn't even be in the home because we, we, whichever room she was in, all she could remember is her son Rodolfo, who lived there in the house with them. So for a number of years, they moved out of that neighborhood. She, you know, she, she couldn't even be in the same in that house where her son had been. So when, when the family had moved out, Mabel was in a gathering with some of their friends. And I guess it was a fluke or something that they decided to do this. They don't have a they don't sell Ouija boards in Argentina, at least not that I know of in the years that I lived there. So what they did is they cut little squares of paper were the letters and numbers and they used the shot glass where you have a, a shot glass a shot glass face down and everybody puts their finger pit pit on the back of the shot glass so what they did i don't know if this was mabel's idea was i know it was her house but somebody thought to ask for him for the spirit of rodolfo and to say what was it that he experienced how he died and uh isabel the, the the girl that told the story she said it was really gruesome to uh get the put together the letter you know because you start putting together the letters you know first a and then b and whatever letters so it takes some time before all the letters and the words come out and she said it was pretty gruesome to read the things that he experienced and how he felt it, it seems that he truly relayed the, the pain and the desperation and everything that he felt when that happened. So how, whatever it was, they, this session really spooked them over uh, because they didn't think it was going to be that gruesome what, what they had read. And the next day, Mabel came over to Isabel's house to knock on her door like she was really in a rush. She says, I have to show you this, you, you won't believe me. And Mabel used these shot glasses. She had, um, you know, these, uh, you don't see them anymore, but in, in some old homes you have these uh, uh, type of uh, furniture where you have shot glasses behind glass 
So you have a sliding door and you have decorative glasses and cups and whatever. And it, and that's where they kept the shot glasses. So she, so the shot glass that they used for the session was in that cabinet in that in the glass sliding door cabinet, and that it's single shot glass. Here. Oh, okay. Here. So you had all the shot glasses in a in a line. That the the shot glass that they used for that Ouija board session was actually pulverized. It was turned to dust, glass dust. Not even fragments, like broken glass. No, it actually, she says, it was actually dust. It was white because it, it was glass dust. That's how the it was like the glass disintegrated. So she never again did they try uh, another Ouija session. They were just too spooked by what they had seen. I would have been too. <laughs> Okay, so, so we got under a 30 minutes left here. Yasmin and Bob, did you ever figure out what you wanted to talk about today besides the one we talked about? <laughs> how how to be a psychic power couple. Well, we, I mean, there's, I have a list of things. <laughs> go for it. Go for nothing, it. Let's go. Nothing specific. We don't, know um, you, we don't know what you want to talk about unless you tell us. So let's go. We'll talk about anything. <laughs> um... Do you want to talk about uh, the the fair we went to with Ashley? So, since we're we're talking about spirits, <laughs> so um, yeah. So Ashley, um, apparently, she picked up some sort of a crystal at the fair we took her to. You know what? Um, yeah, let me actually. It was no, I, I'm trying to find out um, exactly what she texted me. So, um, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> well, you, you remember you were there, so. <laughs> um, shoot. Here, say something, sweetie. Oh, sorry. <laughs> While I find the text. Sorry, I was looking for something and hit the ground. So the backstory on this was we uh, we were supposed to meet Ashley at a pagan festival, and she bought a cornelian round stone. No, I did. Or you did. Yeah. And then Ashley bought some sort of other stone, and she forgot to check for passengers. Um. So the stone traveled with her to her house and her story is that she had the stone in the bag and didn't look at it for 24 hours which i find that hard to believe because yasmin gets a new stone crystal round whatever and is on display within three minutes but anyway um she attempted to take it to work to put on her desk and so she got to work and she was, I guess, showing it to her friend and and discussing it and deciding where to put it. And she put it down. And when she went to grab it, it wasn't there. And she was kind of frantic about the whole thing and wondered if maybe she had spaced it somehow because it was in the unopened bag that she had gotten. And when she got home, did she find it? I guess she found it wrapped up as if it was protected well. Um, 
not in the bag. Okay, so I, I have the series of texts now. Um, Hopefully I filled it in. So she said, the orb I bought yesterday literally just disappeared. I was going through the goods I bought this weekend to decide what it, what needed to go on my work desk and what shouldn't. I left it wrapped up in the tissue paper while I looked through other things and poof, it's gone. Another worker, another coworker came in to help me find it, but it's gone. So then um, I responded, okay, that's weird. Is it possible it rolled out of the bag while in the car or that it uh, missed getting put in the bag when you brought, brought it in um, or when you bought it? And she said, I had it in my hand at my office desk. There was nowhere it could be. There's nowhere where it could have rolled under. And I've been in my office the whole time. I told my coworker the office ghost took it, took my orb. <laughs> and I guess she said it jokingly. And um, her coworker told her that, uh, people have said that they had heard things in the office before. And so then I, I told her, I said, well, then there's a chance it might re reappear because the ghost that took Bob's ice cream sandwich returned it six months later. And you know about the key story. So I told her my advice to her was to... Um, Oh, shoot. Yeah, I'm trying to see exactly what I said to her. Oh, heck. Jeopardy music. Yeah. <laughs> Jeopardy music. Don't make me sing it. Just think about it. Think we, about how wonderful Jeopardy music is. And how we all love it so much. Ashley and I text a lot. <laughs> so there it is, thinking about it. And I, here it is. And so um, I said uh, to tell her, I said to introduce herself to the ghost and to tell her that she would not tolerate any childish games like that. And if they wanted to communicate with her, that they would need to find a better, more respectful way. And to also tell them that the to return the orb immediately it was a birthday present for herself and then it was incredibly mean of them to take it even if they were just trying to get her attention and um so um she finished her day at the work at work and you know it didn't turn up there but then she got home and she yeah, she text, She said that she had said that to the entities at work. And then she got home, and it was literally on her couch, partially unwrapped. And she knew she had never unwrapped it. So, and then later she was just, I was, it was does too... She, does she it, live alone? Yes, she does. And um, she doesn't have the best cleansing habits so I, she 
she kind of, you know, I tell her, you know, you got to sage, you know, there, there were a lot of negative people that lived in your apartment, you know, before they moved out. So you've got to be on top of those energetic things. And um, I know she's not the best about doing that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's possible she, uh, she brought, she brought something home. <laughs> Or it was something that was already in her environment and attached. I I don't know. What are your thoughts, Walt? Well, if she lived with somebody, I would think, okay, somebody else could have taken it or moved it. But knowing that she lives alone, you know, it's obvious it, it was an entity, as you surmised. But I agree with you. You know, someone like that should be more careful with their energy, you know. And sometimes you don't feel good, and it's it's not you feeling; it's your being. It's stuff being broadcasted to you. I mean, I had my father's low low part of my father's low soul in my body for for thirty five years. So for thirty five years, I wasn't exactly myself. So I know I know that much. Yeah, and um. Yeah, and she kind of doubted it afterwards. I I think because it was too. I mean, to me, it was blatantly obvious what was going on, and it was unquestionably an entity. But I think because it was too obvious to her, she she later had doubts and was thinking, "Oh, you know, I just must have forgotten. I left it there." And I'm like, "Well, no, because." In your text, you said specifically you never took it out of the bag. So, you know, don't doubt yourself now. I mean, you told me you were you were incredibly certain when you texted me initially. So, <laughs> when I was in, in Pennsylvania with a group of technicians that we, we were being trained on photo labs, I had an entire store disappear on on me. In fact. If I hadn't had the other technicians accompanying me on that trip because we had to share the the vehicle that was rented for us to to use during the weekend, I wouldn't have any witnesses today that you know there was a pizzeria and there was a shoe store. And between the two, there was this uh, store called the Cauldron. <laughs> it was really funny because the it was a very simple what do you mean um, window that had uh, this toy cauldron and a bunch of Barbie dolls dressed as witches. So they, it sold, you know, incense and rocks and trees. And it was a very tiny store. And I found uh, Moldavite stones. And I was impressed that it was, they were so inexpensive. They were large and they were only $20 each, which was, it was dirt cheap compared to the, what I had seen in, in eBay, among eBay vendors. So I bought uh, the stone that I kept and then the the technicians are and i thought twenty dollars why didn't i buy one for my mother and i thought i, I asked the guys the next time we go into the, into the town can you uh, come with me so I, I want to get another specimen and they had already gone with me to the store so they they saw it they knew where it was and uh it, it wasn't there the pizzeria was there the shoe store was there but there was nothing in between it was just the, like, the entire the store. This? The entire store was gone. 
Oh my was, god! And it was it, and the name of the store was the Witch's Cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> you know that reminds me of a story that um, my mom had. You know, years ago when she was she was coming back from Mount a workshop in Mount Shasta, or or maybe she no she was visiting her friend up in Eugene, Oregon, and she was coming back through the pass where um, you know it, it gets a lot of snow and. I guess they they had just yeah the Siskiyous so they had just closed the road behind her as she drove through, and she was she's not someone who's experienced driving in the snow much, but um, so she probably was uh, uh, driving a little too fast, and um, so she spun out and. She she was kind of the car just kind of got lodged in the snow and um, she had the dog with her and, you know, there was nobody on the road because they had closed the road behind her. So there was no cars that were going to come to help. And lo and behold, some guy just shows up in a truck. And. um you know, at first she was, she was, she was like, um, well, no, no, I, I'm sure somebody will be along. I, I'm going to wait. Cause you know, he's a stranger and he's just like, well, ma'am, you're in a pickle here and I can get you out now. <laughs> and so he did, he got her unstuck and so that she could continue on the road. And then she was really grateful and she was like, oh my goodness, you know, I, you know, can I send you some money? You know, I, I'm very grateful and thank you very much. And um, he, was, he was like, yeah, you know, that's not necessary. And she's like, well, at least let me send you a thank you letter. And so um, I forgot what he said his name was, but he said um, he was so-and-so from Halo Ranch. And it said Halo Ranch on the truck in weed california and so when she got back home she tried to look up and you know she didn't just you know look through the yellow pages she actually contacted the chamber of commerce and you know everybody she could think of to find this place and i guess somebody finally told her they're like Ma'am, there is no Halo Ranch in Weed, California, and I think you were visited by an angel. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you have to, things like that. It's like it's just too blatant to say no. That's not true. Well, where you you have all the information written and you're seeing it, and and it's nowhere to be found. There's no need to doubt anymore. What did your mom think? Um, well, she believed it was an angel because she had no choice. <laughs> she she looked everywhere. She she didn't even look in just in weeds. She looked at all the surrounding towns for the for a halo ranch and could not find it. The, the 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 name of the Halo Ranch that kind of gives you an indication, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, that's funny. In Weed, California? Oh, please. Yes. They have a sense of humor. <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah, if you, I, if you meet some stranger that makes you, you know, really think about things after the fact and you feel like you're really laughing, that's that's angelic. Laughter's angelic. Which, yeah. which Does she remember which way was he going? Was he going the, the way that the road had been closed? Yeah, so they had actually closed the road behind her, and he came up behind her. So he shouldn't have been there to begin with. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) There you have it. Yeah. I believe that because my great-grandma, who lived to be 102, had a ride from Angel, and he even carried her bags for her up to her sister's door and 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 he was in she called it it was a carriage with no horses she got to ride in a car before cars were invented i believe your story with no no doubt in my mind wow wow Grandma had a lot of those stories to tell. So it's in your family history, Dolly. (laughs) Yes, it is. Most assuredly. So how can we be worried about uh, immigrants in Martha's Vineyard? How? Right. What else you got? Um, what else, sweetie? I'm good. You're good? We're pretty much there to sum it up anyway. (laughs) Well, the eagle, we have an eagle update. We might get rain. We might get rain. (laughs) You made sure. Sorry. You haven't gotten rain yet? Are you drought in a drought situation? Um, it's been raining all over on top of the fires. Um, and then, so what happened was there was a monsoon in Southern California. And actually, uh, I think it was officially a category one hurricane. And so it's, and I, I just put out the intention. I'm like, well, you know, let's just that sucker up here to northern california and bob he was just like no way no way it's the pineapple express it's never going to come anywhere near us blah 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 (laughs) and i was just like well i'm gonna work on it anyway what else do we have to do (laughs) and so um worked on pulling up that storm and within a couple days uh i got a message from mark that it was pouring in San Jose. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. Uh, Give it a push up here further up in Northern California. And so he did. And that day it actually rained in the mountains over the fires, but it didn't rain where we were. But what did happen was the skies were completely smoky and they cleared up. So I'm pretty sure that 
either some wind or rain or a combination of the two happened um, to clear our skies up because they were really smoky. And then um, Bob said there was a whole team of air freighters, scheduled air tankers to um, drop on a particular area of the fire. And they got a call saying, I think there were like five of them, right? And they got a call that they said, okay, you know, this fire's taken care of. You're not needed. And so they were on their way back. And then, like, literally on their route back, another fire sparked up. And they just, they all attacked it all at once because they were right there and put it out. So something that probably could have, been a lot worse um just got squashed right away are there still individuals starting fires like that well university professor that uh, he made it his business yeah i believe so because here we almost got through entire summer with no fires none (laughs) and and we had and we had um we had a very cool summer, you know, hardly any heat waves in the hundreds until very recently where we had the heat wave and we had that one fire hit Weed, California. Interesting that I'm talking about that. Um, so we had that one fire hit and it just totally wiped weed out from what we understand. And that was like the main fire that they were working on. And then like within a 24 hour period, like 14 more fires erupted. So I'm suspicious naturally. That's it it is very suspicious. Yeah. Because suspicious too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm, so, I'm doing my thing, but rain's coming, and this time last year is when I brought in that, or everyone, I shouldn't say I, um, everyone brought in that energy to bring massive rains to the area and completely end the fire season. So, we almost made it through summer fire season, but... Maybe Gaia wants another demonstration. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. And what's happening in Bob's world with the uh, water? You got any water stories? Uh, everybody's interconnecting to everybody, um, trying to figure out how to keep the supplies going. The uh, housing market, I somebody said something about the prime interest rate going up, and so the new homes that we're selling here and California at about 2% financed are now going to be about four and a half. So it's going to kind of cool things off. But if you think they're going to stop building people, uh, no, they're not. They're not going to stop building. And to give you a quick example of government stupidity, not that I know this personally, because I can't tell you that legally, but I could tell you that I was physically at a spot where they were building bus pads for electric buses and they were spending a lot of government money on it with buses that are incapable, understand this word, incapable of finishing their day 
will take two to three days to charge. So the stupidity in California is rampant and running. I've yeah. heard those statistics before. It's nuts. It's nuts. So we're down to the last, uh, well, just three minutes here. Is there anything else you guys wanted to just impart to the listeners? Um, just embrace your power, people. Um, I'm out here in California on the front lines, and it's, you know, we're, we're still doing stuff to uh, win the energetic war. So it's my message. Well, I'm glad you guys weren't in the fire that scared me. No, Dolly. I survived one fire. I'm. They can't scare me anymore. <laughs> scared me. Does Bob have anything to say? Well, I'm good. He's good. <laughs> Dolly, do you uh, want to say good night? Good night, everybody. Love y'all, and I gotta hurry up so I can't talk later. Okay, all right. Be safe. Thank you. And Walt. Good night, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Take care. Bye bye. And we've still got quite a long time here. One minute and thirty-four seconds. Let me just. Ooh, that's that'll take forever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, this thing has not been keeping very good time. I said that, and now it's at 117, and I had just reset it. It's it's like the server is not <laughs> being so it's real. Not, it's not the whole shit. It's a piece of shit. Well, it's <laughs> it's a. It's, I know there's a 20 second delay on everything. You know that when I say make me live, it's 20 seconds before I go live, but the signal goes all the way to. Spain and back. So, okay, we've wasted that time. Thank you very much for being here. Be safe. <laughs> Good night. Say what? Say what radio show? With no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. <laughs>